Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. As optimistic as Seahawks fans were going into 2017, they are as pessimistic as ever now. At least it seems that way as Seattle has missed the playoffs for the first time since 2011. The first time in the Russell Wilson era, finishing with a 9-7 overall record. They knew they weren't going to the playoffs after Atlanta beat Carolina and uh, sealed up the sixth seed. Seattle ultimately did themselves no favors anyway, losing at home to the Arizona Cardinals 26 26- 24. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Judah Newby on Tuesday, the morning of the 2nd of January. We haven't met to do the pod in a couple of weeks, Perkins, really since I think the uh, Rams defeat. And uh, we weren't very optimistic about the Seahawks' chances to make the playoffs then. But ultimately, with the win Christmas Eve over the Cowboys and Atlanta's loss in New Orleans, they had a shot going into this weekend. So kind of made you think about it. Ultimately, though, they miss out, and now that they have missed out, it, it felt like it wasn't as close as, as it ever was. Well, and this is what, you know, you, it's so funny because the season has so many ebbs and flows, but you and I talked about, after the loss to Atlanta at home, you and I said it's going to be really hard for them to to make the playoffs. It's going to be, because that they did not make hay while the sun was shining. In December, they had a very difficult schedule, and guess what happened? They did not beat any team of quality. You well, know? Philly... Philly, yes. That's, but that's probably the high water mark of the season was Sunday night beating Philly with a healthy Carson Wentz. Like, I still can't believe the fact that they missed the playoffs. That happened. That was the biggest game of the year to that point. Seattle won by two scores in a primetime game over Philly with the probable MVP healthy. Which goes <laughs> Here we to show. are a month later, and it doesn't mean crap. <laughs> it goes to show sometimes anomalies happen in football because. Seattle is, you know, they they were not deserving of the playoffs. I mean, oh, no, quite yeah. frankly, when it's all said and done, they were not a playoff caliber football team. And I'm not even talking about the loss. And I hope to God that somehow the coaching staff got word that that Atlanta was going to win to put themselves in position. You were going to put the season on the line on the foot of Blair effing Walsh yeah. for a 49 yard field goal. What was are that you, play calling? Are you the kidding me? Drive? That was horrible. Like I am hoping that they were like, look, if we win, Ugh. we win, but he'll probably miss it. Cause he sucks. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Cause Atlanta's winning. Like that's the only thing that's going through my mind that goes, everything that happened to end that game is okay. I, the I, season ended exactly the way you thought it would. Russell Wilson, terrible in the first half. Drop balls in the second half by receivers not showing up when they need to. Speaking of New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, bad play calling down the stretch and a missed field goal. Like, everything... Microcosm. Uh, yes. I mean, if there was not a more fitting way for the Seattle Seahawks season to end than the way that game went, because everything that is wrong with this team showed up that entire game against a shitty Arizona Cardinals team that had nothing to play for with a million backups in the game, and Drew freaking Stanton at quarterback. On a torn ACL, apparently, the last two games Stanton played. Yeah. Yeah. That's the team you lost to. Kermit Williams tore you up. A turnstile offensive line pushed your defensive line around. Larry Fitzgerald, being Larry Fitzgerald, might be my favorite Seahawk opponent of all time. See, this is why when people How go, did well, that happen? Well, Tom Cable has nothing to work with. You know, like the offensive line has no talent. Look at the freaking Cardinals. Look at that. You don't have to be a top five offensive line to still be effective. Right. And the Seahawks offensive line is GD terrible. So 
you know, <laughs> it's just funny because it, that, that season, that game was just such a, like you said, a microcosm of everything from Michael Bennett not being able to sack a quarterback playing on a torn ACL twice missing sack opportunities, couldn't chase him down to Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner getting stupid penalties, roughing the passer penalties to, you know, Wilson throwing for like the Seattle. I think at the, at the end of the first half had 23 yards net or 24 yards. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, it was just terrible. To being and overly penalized, got shut out for the first half because Lockett's TD was the only scoring they had. The kick return. Yeah, and does that count technically as scoring on the opening drive? Do they finally snap that streak? No, because it's it had been like <laughs> it had been like two and a half seasons since they had scored on a an opening drive, yeah. and I don't know if that counts or not because it was the. <laughs> I'm not counting it. No, that's horse. <laughs> that's horse crap, man. And look. Phil Dawson, you got to give him a lot of credit, too. You talk about watching Blair Walsh struggle as a kicker, and you look at a guy like Phil Dawson or Robbie Gold, what he's been doing second half of the season with San Francisco, or Greg Zerline in L.A., you realize how important it is to have not just a quality kicker, but all three of those guys are probably top five kickers in football, too. I mean, Phil Dawson was amazing in that game on Sunday, including uh, hitting from 54 at one point. He went four for four in in that game. Steven Hauschka? He's all right. Made a 50-yarder yeah. in Buffalo's win. Yeah. I'm not say, And I'm not going to sit here and say that, that they should have kept him because the price was too high and he did not play well the previous year. But, I mean, it is unbelievable to think that because of, in a lot of ways, because of your kicking game, I mean, if they had a kicker that could hit a field goal, they probably have 12 wins right now. I mean, seriously, yeah, that's the difference. That's so tough for me to maybe maybe two more. So you beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Do you beat Atlanta with you the go to, You at least force kicker? overtime, well, right? I don't blame them. for That was a, what, 53-yarder? Was it? Yeah, that was a long field goal, wasn't it? I'm going to fact check that right now. Is 53 but. long anymore? Like, that doesn't feel long to me. Like that, it's that's a, it's that's a, long a makeable field goal. field goal. It's certainly makeable, but it's a long you field goal. You should be making that 70% of the time if you're a kicker. The field goal at the end of the game was 52 yards, and it was Got to make that. Got to make that. You need to have a kicker that can this make that. This isn't college kickers. Okay, this isn't freaking you know Oregon what? a la 20, 2011. I think my my <laughs> expectations for the kicking game were so low that I that when he was lining up that kick against Atlanta, I thought he was going to miss. It just sucked because it looked like it was right on the money, so I got really happy for a second. Oh, it was right on the money. Yeah, just short. Just short. All right. What's the worst defeat that Seattle had this year of their seven? They lose week one at Green Bay, 17-9. They lose week three at Tennessee, 33-27. You don't even need to go through the schedule. It's Washington. They lose at home to Washington, 17-14. Home to Falcons, 34-31. At the Jags, 30-24. Versus the Rams, 42-7. And versus the Cardinals, 26-24. I'm going to say the Washington one. It's Washington. And it's not even close. Well, I think the Cardinals one's pretty damn close. Considering what Arizona had to work with. That's embarrassing. It's you a bad have loss, to win. but Bruce Arians is like 4-1 and one now in Seattle. So Bruce like, Arians is a badass. He's like the Jeff Fisher, apparently, of, of the Cardinals. So He's I, way better than Jeff Fisher. I mean, you're talking about a team that in Seattle, I'm not making excuses here, but at least Seattle, like they're missing a ton of defensive starters in that game. Against Washington, you were fully healthy. Yep. And you're playing against a horrible team at home. When the season was still, I mean, and I, mean, I don't look, think Deshaun Jackson was playing in that game either. No, he was injured. They just had that deep ball to Doxon, and 
that Griffin forgot to touch him on. And <laughs> yeah, so many good pl- parts of that game. So that that game alone, I mean, that is the the in my opinion, right? When you look back at this season, you go, God, I can't believe they lost that game. Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, Seattle wasn't a very good football team this year, so maybe I shouldn't be that surprised. Well, and here's the thing: I want to I want to talk about that part because. Pete Carroll mentioned in his last press conference, hey, you know, that we were so close in a lot of areas. And I think he means we lost a lot of close games, which they did. But I am actually, I've, I've worked through my emotions to this point now with, with missing the playoffs and, and kind of thought about it, what it means to the Carroll, Wilson, Schneider legacy, what it means for Seattle. I think this is a great thing that they missed the playoffs now. I'm really, really happy because to your point, this team didn't deserve the playoffs and They've got bigger things to work through now that I think backing their way into a playoff spot would have it would allowed them to hit. justify it. Would yeah. yeah yeah like hey we made the playoffs you know we gave ourselves a chance to win here win there maybe we're in the NFC title game no this team was not going to the Super Bowl okay not without <laughs> no Richard chance. Sherman and Cam Chancellor no and even with them the way that they were playing they weren't going to win anything of significance. Mm-hmm. When that's the case, and you're as banged up as you are, and you're reaching a crossroads as a franchise, I argue that it's better to miss the playoffs to get that bucket of ice water dumped on your head to refresh you and just like be like punch you in the face a little bit and be like, "Don't kid yourself. You're not a playoff team. Standings show it. You missed it by a game and a half. You went four and four at home. Isn't that incredible? So I, I th- I'm actually kind of glad this happened in this way now, as opposed to giving them any sense of false hope. What do you think? Well, that's I agree with you from that standpoint because you know if they if they get into the playoffs with Atlanta losing and they and then beating a Cardinals team, you know who would they they would go on the road and play the Rams. I think yeah. So they would have played the Rams and lost, right? And that arguably would have been a blowout. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I the the game in Seattle, and granted, I didn't watch it, but. You know, games like that happen sometimes in the NFL. So I'm not saying I don't necessarily believe the Rams are like three touchdowns better than the Seahawks in general, but they would have lost. I mean, I think we could all agree that they would have lost that game, barring some sort of major injury or some weird play, you know, like the ball bounces odd or something like that. And yeah, you would have gone, they would have said, well, you know, yeah, we only made it to the wild card round, but. You know, we're missing three defensive starters and this and that, and they can justify. And, yeah, the offense wasn't good, but, we, look, we still got to the playoffs and we were ranked 18th. And blah. No, this team has so many flaws to fix, and not making the playoffs hopefully is what will finally cause um, some heads to roll in the coaching staff and some philosophical changes one way or another. Um, let's start from a player personnel side of these. A lot of guys that probably won't be on this team next year that have been – I think the word iconic has been used a lot in in pieces that have been written over the past week or so. Um, guys like Averill, Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Jimmy Graham, um, all those guys have uh, are in contractual situations where you could see them moving on and leaving. Which of that group do you think is is absolutely necessary to retain going into next season, or are they all? I mean, I don't want to say like disposable, but can you see a scenario in which John Schneider can talk himself into letting these key guys walk. Well, obviously, Earl Thomas, you need to give him an extension. Mm-hmm. You know, after all that stuff in Dallas, right? You can't even enjoy a win, you know, because you have Earl Thomas going into the locker room. And, um, you know, I, I don't really care this that much. drives me nuts sometimes. I know. But... I, I didn't, it didn't really bother me that much, to be honest. Um, 
you know, more as much. I thought as it was it did. weird. It was weird, but I he was in there to talk to Des, and it felt like he just kind of he ran into the coach and said it like more than like he went in there specifically to do that because he went in to talk to Des. Right? Maybe maybe that was the pretense to like have that whole conversation, but to me it was more like on a whim. I'm gonna just say this because I ran into the coach more yeah. than anything else, and he's like pissed off about his contract. So that's true, but you're not lying in that situation either. Like that's how he truly feels. Yeah, you're well, not just he, saying that for small talk. Well, and he basically said like, yeah. and and that's the thing is like so hard about this league is there's no loyalty. Like fans want like, I saw some fan that's like I'm gonna I'm gonna burn my Earl Thomas jersey now. You know, it's like dude, get over yourself, Jesus. I mean, come on, grow up. You know. It's a job. Like, there's no loyalty. The Seattle could cut him tomorrow. They haven't given him a contract extension. And Earl Thomas has played really well. So, to me, Earl, you know, Bobby Wagner is now the leader of your defense. And obviously, retaining him is 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 the most important pillar that you need to build around at this point. But, you know, I think that defensively, you're going to see a lot of changes. Chris Richard is getting thoughts and being looked at for head coaching possibilities would it be such a terrible thing if he left? Not at all. Would it be such a terrible thing if Daryl Bevel was fired? No, no. But I mean, if we're talking players, like I don't, you know, Jimmy Graham. I don't want to see him back. Right. He was useless. I don't care about the touchdown numbers. He was bad in Seattle. I mean, that was a failure. Uh, you know. Oh, I mean, and that was how's a failure. that New Orleans running game going? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because going into the year, I, I was very much like, everyone's like, man, and they lost, you know, they lost Max Unger. And I went, yeah, but like they have Justin Britt and Justin Britt was good. Justin Britt was not very good this year. Um, and he just got a contract extension. So now you're like, crap, now you're stuck with this guy that, you know, is very inconsistent at best. Um, I mean, that that pick was not Percy Harvin level of failure, obviously, because Jimmy Graham did make some big plays for Seattle at certain points. But and at least. Harvin made plays in the Super Bowl when you won. That's true. That's true. I mean, Which those... in a lot of ways justifies it even for that. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl, and he yeah. played in it and was good. And I know Russell Wilson said he wants Jimmy Graham back, and they're like yeah, they're super tight, tight and best you know? friends and all that. But, you know, I, I just don't know how you can bring back a guy that clearly doesn't get it unless you bring it a, a coordinator or so, I mean, a lot of the offensive decisions, I feel like... I think like, you got to give Graham a lot of credit for the stats he put up, though. You can't completely discount that. I mean, this was a good year for him compared to last year. Yeah. Even though there were a couple moments where he, he dropped contested balls that he should have caught and dropped some wide-open balls that he should have caught. For the he money? He still had more touchdowns than Gronk. <laughs> for the money? I mean, it, I, to me, that the Jimmy Graham experiment was a failure. Like, that's just my opinion. I agree. I, I, I think yeah. it was a failure. And, so, and ultimately, though, that's because of team success, too, for me. You didn't go to a single NFC title game with, when you traded for Jimmy Graham. That, yeah. that, at least you got to do that, too. Yeah. But between lack of team success and Graham's personal success, I agree. It was a failure. And I think that I don't think Graham's going to be back. I don't think Wilson's going to be back. Luke Wilson, mm-hmm. not Russell Wilson, despite the talk. Um, yeah, we're cutting Russell Wilson. <laughs> cutting him. <laughs> Just take the dead, dead money hit. Eat 22 it. a year. Austin Davis, here's um, the keys. I will say this. I'm going to defend Luke Wilson yesterday real quick. Okay. Bad drop. Worst pass. Terrible pass. It was a it was really a bad. Really poor pass. Really, really bad. Yeah. So as much as everyone's like, I was like, that's why Luke Wilson won't be back next year. I'm like, okay, let's calm it down a little bit. Like, yes, he should have caught that freaking football. He was so open. But, Haven't we seen that like exact play a couple of times with Luke Wilson before that he's been wide open and, and yeah. dropped it? Yeah, but that uh, play but in weird, particular, yeah. that play in particular, 
I I can't go 100% that's on Luke. In fact, I think Vanette dropped the same route in the Philly game. Yeah, he did. You're right. Something like but that. But the ball was better placed, I feel like, in that game. Maybe. And there was one like, where— Like, dude, that play was so bad. He Wilson had to literally Thomas stop. Rawls dropped a touchdown, a sure thing touchdown <laughs> yeah. earlier this year on a he weird, did. wacky placed ball in the end zone. Yeah. And by the way, um, maybe if you're a running back in Seattle, you don't talk junk and get penalties for it. I don't know. Just God, food for God thought. God bless you, Thomas Rawls. Like, like you've played in four games this year, dude. You've been useless. Like, shut up. What the hell are you doing? I don't know, dude. It's, I mean, it's so frustrating. I mean, granted, I'm not in that position where I'm sure your emotions are just right on overdrive, but you got to just be a rational player at that point. When people are like, well, it shouldn't have been a penalty. The guy was on the ground and he was like staring That's at him, taunting. yelling in his face. Like, in today's NFL, you can't do that. By the way, yeah, if the hair on the back of your neck stands up when you see that at immediate time, that's probably a penalty. And I'm I, when I saw Rawls react like that, I'm like, God dang, please don't throw, please don't throw. Yeah. Throw a flag. Yep. Yep. Super yeah. frustrating. Should've so I think there's going to be a lot of changes. I don't, I, I think offensively though, a lot of it depends on what you're doing at coordinator. I mean, and, and honestly that comes down to as well. What does, what is Pete Carroll willing to change? In his philosophy, what is he willing to change to work with to Russell Wilson? Because there is a disconnect, in my opinion, you know, and and this has been talked about by by you know Seahawks Twitter by you know writers and things like that, and you know analysts for this of the Seahawks that there is a disconnect between what Pete Carroll's philosophy is and the the philosophy that won him championships in college and a championship in the NFL, and the personnel that he has and do those two things mesh. Well, clearly they don't mesh enough and they did at one point in time, you know, I'm eager to see what they do as well. Can you imagine a scenario in which Daryl Bevel stays and Tom Cable goes? Can you imagine a scenario in which Daryl Bevel goes and Tom Cable stays? Or is it kind of a package deal? Like, are we looking for wholesale changes? Obviously, we got a while to kind of think about it, but there is a coaching carousel going on. So you, now you kind of you have Carol to make a decision to fast, him, yeah, because you have you have some head coaches that are getting fired that could come in and be good offensive coordinators. You know, mm-hmm. you've seen like Caldwell or you know some of these guys come in, and you know you feel like they could they could kind of go back to that coordinator position where they've been really effective. So. I don't think it's something that you just you wait a few months. You got to evaluate kind of quickly, and I think the, the the problem is, first of all, Tom Cable needs to go. I mean, I'm sorry, but when I saw that he was being considered for the head coaching position in India, I was like, oh, oh God, dude. yes, please, hell's yeah, please, <laughs> failing upwards. <laughs> I mean, what is Indy doing? Yeah, let's go find the guy that has the best. I mean, where's run game coordination in the in the league? We'll hire him. Yeah, I mean, um, it's unreal. I, I I think at this point, it's going to lead to changes. the 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 problem, I don't know how to describe this, but the problem is in the end, like Pete Carroll is very set in his ways, and he knows, he feels like he knows what he needs to do to win, and he has proven to have a lot of success doing what he needs to do to win. Right? He's failed at multiple levels as a head coach before he developed this philosophy and has been very, very successful with it. But you do not have the personnel right now to do that. And that's why Bevel, I think, has been why Pete Carroll is stuck by him because Bevel is willing to to use to not necessarily contest the philosophy that Pete Carroll has. 
like late in that game. What the hell? You're playing for a 49-yard field goal attempt? You know, like, I, I think that most people would go, that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, or you're at midfield and you play really conservative and you just try to pin a team inside their own five-yard line. Like, no, be aggressive. You know, like, let's try to get some points here. You know, but Pete Carroll has the, has the philosophy of taking care of the rock, not turning the football over is the most important thing, and field position. Like, those are, and, and defense. Those are the most important things to him. And I don't know if bringing in a new offensive coordinator changes anything if he's not willing to change his philosophy and open things up. Yeah, what is he willing to change? What you said earlier, I think, is, is going to be an interesting phrase to look at for uh, this coming offseason. Um, I think he is, you know, he knows what a winning formula looks like, but I don't think that necessarily means he's going to be stubborn. You know, they missed the playoffs. And there's no doubt, from an executive standpoint, they went all in for this season with the moves they made, the draft picks they gave up, Sheldon Richardson, Dwayne Brown. So the fact that you went all in and missed the playoffs, I mean, that stark contrast, you know, if if you're a head coach, I don't care how successful you've been, if you're a head coach and that happens to you, you have to self-evaluate and change something. You have to. You have to. So I, I trust that he will. You know, you're not bigger than the game. Pete Carroll knows that. He's not just going to, like, keep going at 65 miles an hour and decide that, yeah, we were this close. I think he will change something. I don't think he he's too proud or too stubborn to just run it all back again and trust it's going to work out. I think things are going to change. But what's he going to change? Is he going to change personnel to fit his style? Is he going to change his style? That's, I guess, what I'm getting at here. Is- and by style, you're talking just about loving the run game and – conservative yeah the, the the being defensive oriented which is there's nothing wrong about that. that that's still a formula that works if your personnel's in there and you've got good talent yeah but judah the problem is is you have a quarterback and this is not a problem this is like a good thing that mm-hmm. but the problem is you have a quarterback that you're sinking a, a good amount of money into in the next like three or four years his contract is going to be i mean small compared to a lot i mean he already like he was like the highest paid quarterback in the nfl for like a week, and then I think Cam Newton got extended like right after him or something like that. Yeah. And then um, Stafford, yeah, and then you have Stafford and Rogers. I think got an extension. So like, there's a lot of guys that are higher than him now. But you have a lot of money invested into your quarterback. You have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, you know, you need to dedicate your resources to help him succeed offensively. This is no longer a Marshawn Lynch take a shot down the field on second and two or second and four type of offense. This is... But how much do you think, by being a good running team... Look, it's football. Like, I saw it in the Rose Bowl yesterday. When Oklahoma is at their best, they have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. They're running the football and being balanced. You know, their running back ended up going for 200 yards yesterday and Mayfield had a really good game despite ultimately they lose. But the point is... You can really help your MVP caliber quarterback with a decent run game. You can really do that. So for the sake of balance and and just overall flow of the offense. Offense is so rhythm oriented, flow oriented. It's not in a box black and white. But Seattle's is. It's disjointed. It's uncreative. Un- I mean, ideal offense is rhythm oriented. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Flow I agree. oriented. I agree. And it, the good news is it can only go up from here. I saw a stat on Twitter. I think it was Zach Whitman that had it. Seattle. Running backs ran for zero yards inside the 10-yard line this year and no touchdowns. Are you kidding me? 
awesome. How is that even possible? Zero yards and no touchdowns inside the 10. You had more defensive touchdowns from Seattle than running back touchdowns this year. You had one touchdown from your running back group, and that was freaking McKissick, who barely made the roster to start the season. Like That's terrific. I'm so happy. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. It's mind-boggling how far this team has fallen, but this shows you a couple things. The zone blocking scheme ain't working anymore. Tom Cable's time is passing it. You got to you have too much money and 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 too many picks invested in that O-line for it to be as bad as it was. I'm sorry. I know that there's there's still a lot of you have some raw talent there, but for that line to be as bad as it was is inexcusable. Inexcusable. And you need talent at running back. They just don't have it. They don't have it. Mike Davis, you know, you look at his DVOA numbers, not not great. He was fine. He's average. Boy, he looked like an all-star. I loved Mike Davis when he was healthy. Chris Carson. Chris Carson looked good. Looked good. You know? That sucked. And hopefully he'll come back and and still be a good player. But, you know, Thomas Rawls looked good for a little while a couple years ago. We were excited. Now he's a shell of the player he was. Eddie Lacy's fat. Post-injury, Rawls is just not the same player. Not at all. But my point being is you don't have the talent right now. And so to Seattle, do they use their 18th pick on a running back? Do they – what? where do they go? Because – I just think there's a lot of questions right now, and we're going to see a lot of these questions get answered. I don't know what you do about 2018 because the draft is considered to be a down year in the draft a little bit. You know, just overall top to bottom. I don't think anybody really knows what the draft is at this point. I, well, I mean, there's things spe- they know, but there's, there's so much to be determined between now and April. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Like Seattle was willing to go all in because in general, the talent pool looked a little less this year. So they were they were okay with losing, like, a second-round pick, right? Maybe, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that there's the, the team right now is at a crossroads, and the good news is, is you have a franchise quarterback, so you're never rebuilding, you're just reloading, which is nice. But, you know, Russell has to work on a lot of things himself. I mean, he is a flawed player in his own right. So. Sure, but look, the dude never has time, so you, it's the... Evergreen topic we we talk about endlessly. The inevitable bad habits that you <laughs> incur upon with, your yeah. uh, incur upon yourself when you've got no time to throw. But even when he but had time. the other side of that is <laughs> his magic making ability when he has no time to throw. You know, in December he threw one, two, three, four, five, eleven touchdown passes in December, three picks, and all of them were the Jacksonville game. But L.A. Rams, QBR of 7.4. Cardinals game, QBR of 22.6. Jags, QBR of 51.7. Dallas, QBR 74.8. He didn't have a QBR one time above 75. His best game was the Dallas game, 74.8 QBR. Just, he didn't play very well down the stretch when you were kind of expecting him to, especially early in the first half. I mean, third down offense in the first half, this season was terrible Horrent. all season yeah. long. And when we were expecting Seattle to make a December push, they finished the year one and three. They won one game of the last four. And you know what? You're not throwing a lot of picks if you're not throwing the football. You know, in that game against Arizona in the first half, there were time. He had time. And maybe receivers, you know, you, you I have disagree. to look at the film. He had no time at all, man. He got sacked so much and, and hurried like 
they had, he had no time to throw in the first half or the second half. He, they were, they were op- getting killed. There were opportunities. He was not throwing the football. He was he was just tucking it. And I think the coverage was dynamite. I think Matthew and Peterson. Well, then you got to upgrade games. your receivers. You got to upgrade your receivers. Then if you have no guys getting open every time, I mean, oh. you need to design a game plan. Look, your offensive line is. Shit. You have to design a game plan around a, around getting quick release play. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is this is not fucking complicated. Okay, yeah. the, the, you have a quarterback. You have an offensive line that's terrible. You have no run game. You have a quarterback that even when he does have time, thinks he doesn't because of the constant beating he has taken all season long. Not his fault. You need to create a passing game that is centered around those weaknesses. To create strengths, you 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 need some. That's your job. You got to be able to create a strategy that works for you. There. Yeah. The problem is in the less. NFL. In the NFL, you can take that away so easy. You've got Peterson. Tom Brady's and Matthew. made a living out of it, out of quick quick plays. Guess what? New England can do. They can still run the ball. They can, but Tom and but, they've got Dante Scarnecchia, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, getting the best out of not always a very talented offensive line. But they they. And Brady can throw deep on you at any time and connect. And Brady's just smarter than everybody else, including Russell Wilson. He is. See, I mean, that's what has made him such a great pre-snap, quarterback. Pre-snap. Pre-snap. Yeah. Wilson doesn't have Brady's pre-snap abilities. Clearly. But you can design an offense based around the strengths and weaknesses that you have. And right now, this offense is not creative at all. It does not change does not tailor itself to the situation, to the game, to the opponents, to or the talent that you have. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't have enough talent. But, you know, when you have Doug Baldwin and you have Jimmy Graham. I think there was enough talent know, there. I, I think the coaching staff had their worst season. And if there isn't, had. by the way, then fine. You have plenty of room to upgrade this year because Paul Richardson will be gone and Jimmy Graham will be gone. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, in the end, like – I don't know. I I I was watching the first half of that game, going, "Jesus, Russell, throw the ball! Like, freaking get rid of it! Throw the ball!" Oh man, I and, had exactly the opposite reaction. And he had no, he had no chance. And if no one's open, then you need to change in personnel or change in in offensive coordinator. Well, I and probably both, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I think Cable needs to go absolutely, and and hopefully that. I just don't think is that realized. You can, you can look at at what Russell Wilson has done this year and go. It's everyone else's fault but his. He's the franchise quarterback. Some of the sh- he has to shoulder some of that responsibility. Well, he he did, did not play well. No, he didn't even throw for four thousand yards. Can you believe that? He finished under four thousand <laughs> yards passing, and we were talking about MVP candidacy going into yeah. the Jayville game. Yeah, he's so, still a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's still the guy you ride with. Clearly, mm-hmm. okay. Great fourth quarters, right? It, amazing. Eleven touchdowns in December. That's awesome. But yeah he did not he did not play very well down the stretch too, but it, I mean it's all and the slow starts, it's all related the, the slow, slow starts, starts are what kill me too. a huge storyline slow starts I mean first half it's not about how you start it's about how you finish, but it's about how you start yeah <laughs> like you can't that's not sustainable to just suck every week in the first half no and you expect it don't you like I wasn't even mad at the halftime in against the Cardinals. Because I expect, I mean, well, I guess maybe I didn't expect only well, twenty three net yards. we're conditioned at this point. But yeah, you you are at some point to go. Yep, there it is. There's that offense with you know Bevel leading the way and Russell Wilson missing throws and guys dropping balls and the offensive line not protecting and them not being able to run the football. I mean, Wilson fumbled twice <laughs> yeah. on that final drive and they got lucky essentially. You know that. 
I mean, it's just the whole thing right now, the whole the whole I don't even know where you start yeah. because there are a lot of holes. And it, it makes it sound like it's so dire, but the, the positives are is you have a head coach that has been historically great. You have a franchise quarterback. You have a defensive player of the year candidate in Bobby Wagner. You have pillars to build around. You don't have to go four wins the next two seasons to try to draft a bunch of franchise guy. You have guys to build around. This team can reload, and they can be competitive the pro, you know the other worry though is obviously in your division now things are starting to look really competitive with the way the Rams are playing the way the 49ers finished the year with all the cap space that they have i mean you know it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means for Seattle in the division but and Arizona still has great defensive talent and David Johnson yeah so and they might have Palmer and Fitzgerald for one more dance right potentially maybe yeah I mean, not that that, I mean, I'm just thinking for 2018 specifically, but, you know, it's not all is lost by any means, but man, they, they have a lot of holes to fill. Well, I'm glad they missed the playoffs so they can figure out, honestly, some self-examination, some self-examination. you know, uh, I love Doug Baldwin so much and the refreshing, just brutal honesty that, that he brings. I'm fine with him calling out the media for not watching film. I'm fine with him on Sunday afternoon, you know, saying that we need to self-examine and, and all that. Like Saying it's not the offensive coordinator. I mean, he said it's not Bevel, it's the personnel. Which, who is he throwing shade at there? Well, then he said this team was talented enough to go to the playoffs, though. So, <laughs> And look, yeah. trust me, Doug Baldwin could have played better this year. Yeah, he, I mean, he disappeared. Um, the Jacksonville for, game and the... Uh, for a couple weeks there. The Atlanta game. Yeah. You know, obviously he was the best receiving target that Russell had this year, but him and Jimmy Graham. But I mean, no one is uh, no no one can avoid blame. No one. Everybody has criticism here. Yep. I think that's the important thing. And you know what? Blame's not even important. It's about finding a solution. You're right. Not to get all coach speak, but that's the only thing that matters. Nine and seven's over. It happened. The only thing that matters is finding a solution at this point. Yep, and you got to get think, this team back to a sustainable level of winning. Is Cliff Averill retiring? Do you bring Michael Bennett back? Mm-hmm. And I think they do bring him back just because the dead money. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe. You know, is does Cam Chancellor retire? I mean, there's just a lot of question marks defensively. You know, how long will Richard Sheldon. Sherman be out? Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson, Richardson. Yeah. does he come back? You know, all these guys say the right things at the end of the, you know, Sheldon, I'll, yeah. I want to come back and I want to, you know, but. Money's going to play a big role with all these guys, obviously. So, and we got some time to talk about that too. We'll try to get back again later this week and and uh, discuss where Seattle is at. Maybe update any of the coaching search around the league and where that may affect some Seattle coordinators and preview some wild card action. Uh, congratulations to the LA Rams for winning the division. Congratulations to Bruce Arians, uh, badass, and you know. Winning his coach in Cardinals franchise history now with the win in Seattle, where he's won three out of the last four years. Which is so bizarre because he's only been with the team, what, five years? He coached five seasons. More so. wins than Ken Wisenhunt. Dennis Green, the late Denny Green. Um, you know, so, but Arians for what it, what he's been through and, and cancer and all other health issues come all the way and coach through that with that injury-riddled team. No Palmer, no Johnson all year. Got him to eight wins. That's incredible. I mean, Arizona finished one win behind Seattle. <laughs> Unreal job. You know, the Niners, 
starting the year 0 and 9. Yeah. Finishing six and ten. I'm not convinced Seattle would have beat San Francisco if they had to play them week seventeen. I think San Francisco would have won. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's Shanahan, man. I freaking love Shanahan. I love McVay. Like this division is about to get lit next year. It with is everyone. And Seattle's schedule is not easy, by the way. They play the NFC North, mm-hmm. so they play the freaking Packers again. They play the Vikings, um, and then they play. I can't remember who. They, oh, they play the uh, AFC West, I believe. So you got Chargers coming to CenturyLink, and the uh, Chiefs will come to CenturyLink. Seattle will have to go to Oakland, the Fighting John Gruden's, and go to um, Denver in the regular season. Boy, was it already four years ago that Peyton Manning was playing in Seattle? Isn't that insane? I went to that Raiders game too when when they came when Oakland came up and played Seattle, and Bruce Irvin had the pick six. You went to that game? Yeah, I was at that game. That's hilarious. Yeah. I Remember know, that Chargers game week two? Like oh, it was like degrees. 120 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Gates had three touchdowns. That was after Seattle, what, they beat? Can't believe it's been four years. Seattle's coming year. off that Super Bowl loss, yeah. and they just destroyed the Packers at home. Or no, they're coming no, off they're Super Bowl, Super wins, Bowl win. Yeah. They destroyed the Packers at home. Yeah. And then everyone was like, whoa, whoa, the Seahawks can bleed? Like, you know, in that game against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Peyton Manning and yeah, that whole comeback. Week three was the Denver God. game. Beat them in overtime, I think 26-20. Freaking KJ got burned. Switch verticals. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> Switch man. verticals. <laughs> oh, has it already been that long? That's incredible. That really is. It is. Time flies when you're having fun. Speaking of which. You know what? It's been a hell of a ride. Is the era over? I mean, I don't really know how to treat this. I think it depends on who retires. Because everyone's like, Seattle's not done. you know. And I'm like, yeah. They have, I mean, they're much like, you know, Aaron Rodgers or whoever, anyone with a franchise quarterback. But that doesn't mean the era isn't over. Like, this was a team that probably had the best drafts in NFL history over a two or three year span. By the way, um, with like four Hall of Famers on defense, I mean, that era is probably over. The NFL is a sport that one offseason can really turn it around. Look at New Orleans. Yeah. Like two years ago, that team was in the worst financial situation of any team in football. How far the, above the salary cap they were. I think there's eight new teams in the playoffs this year. Eight. Yeah. The top that five seeds the in the NFC year. didn't make the playoffs last year. The yeah. sixth seed in the NFC went to the Super Bowl last year. And and that's what gives you hope, right? That's how you mm-hmm. know the, the league is built for parity. And, you know, Titans will fall unless you're yeah. apparently the, the Patriots. Who, and, by the way, hashtag blessed to play in that division. Like, think about what Seattle's about to deal with or or think about what the Rams are going to deal with or the Niners or whoever and then you realize that the freaking Patriots get to play the Jets, Bills and Dolphins twice a year. That's the biggest, you know, non-talent reason for their sustained success was the lack yeah. of quality. I mean, you're going like division. 5 and 1 every year yeah. in division minimum. Easy. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it the league is built for parity. So, while it's very frustrating right now as a Seahawks fan and it's annoying and there are a lot of things that you're probably pissed off about and rightfully so, just, I think you need to. I think that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to making the right decisions and and get, putting getting the team back on track because they've done a lot of you know great things together. And I think that they deserve that. You know, going into this season, I think we should trust. Hopefully, that they'll make the right choices. And at least they've won a Super Bowl before. Can always hold on to that. You just know the potential of this team is higher than one Super Bowl, as long as number three is there. For Brian Perkins, I'm True Danubi. We'll talk to you in another few days. This is the Game Plan Podcast, 1029thegame.com.